couple of things before I begin to preach here. Um, one, I'm doing pretty well with my knee. The only reason I'm still using the cane is because that slanted floor and these steps uh, get me if I try to do without the cane. So you'll see me using the cane and not using the cane, and that's what's going on. As long as I'm on a flat surface, I'm fine. And then uh, secondly, just, you know, again, what's happened here, and uh, uh, there is a great appreciation from my heart, believe me, for all the prayers that have been going on. I've gotten a lot of emails and uh, some notes from people saying they've been holding the Perry staff and myself, Father James, in prayer as uh, this has all had to be dealt with. Uh, and I, I don't know if Mike Ott is here in the congregation tonight, but he's really the one who had to deal with most of what's happened, so I just want to give my thanks to him for everything he's done. Uh, including losing a lot of sleep over the last week or so. So, uh, and thanks again for all the, the prayers that are coming this way. And don't, don't stop that because we haven't got it cleaned up yet. And, and one of the issues is as soon as these parts get replaced and they turn the water back on, we may find there are other broken places. So let's pray that that's not, not the case. There's a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Roger Nishioka. And he's an associate professor of Christian education at Columbia Theological Seminary. And he tells a story that sort of crosses denominational lines. Obviously, he's teaching in a seminary that's not Catholic, so this is uh, about something that happened with him. But it sounds somewhat familiar to things that happen in the Catholic Church. So he tells this story about Kyle and his family. And he says that Kyle and his family were sporadic in their church attendance. But upon entering ninth grade, Kyle entered Dr. Nishioka's confirmation class. And during orientation, when it was impressed upon Kyle and his parents that preparing for confirmation was a very large commitment of time and energy, all agreed to the requirement. So Kyle turned out to be uh, serious in his attendance and participation. But having only sporadically attended church, he didn't know most of the other teens in preparation. But over time, he became a significant uh, member of the group, and there were a lot of friendships that he developed. And confirmation came, and it was a wonderful celebration. And that is where it ended. Kyle and his parents, as Dr. Nishioka says, were not seen again in church for quite some time. So he finally called them, and he asked Kyle's mother about their absence, and, and she expressed complete surprise. She said, well, she said, I guess I thought Kyle was all done. She said, I mean, you know, he was baptized and confirmed and everything. Isn't he finished? And unfortunately, there are many who truly believe that, that we are finished when and once we've been confirmed. Once we've received, once we have received all of the sacraments of initiation, that's all that we need to do. You know, there's a sort of a joke about the fact that, that confirmation is spiritual graduation. Uh, once received, we're all done with it. And I can tell you that, that our bishops here in the United States especially have struggled with this. I mean, there are volumes written on 
you know, are we confirming our kids at the right age? Uh, what can we do to, to put this in a place where maybe, you know, because it's so close to the eighth grade and they're graduating from uh, grade school that they won't feel like they're graduating from the spiritual end of things, but it just doesn't seem like anybody feels like they can do anything about it. So this idea of spiritual graduation, and that's very much something that Isaiah, whom we hear from this evening, would seriously disagree with. And we have a, a new Holy Father, Pope Francis, and he has very much proven his ability to bring religion, especially the Catholic religion, to the streets. And while he has dismissed no church doctrine, as a lot of TV people out there, or radio people out there seem to think he has, his emphasis as Pope is on faith in action. And not just faith in our heads, not just what we've learned, but, but what are we doing with it? And he presents this new Holy Father of ours, he presents the church as a servant in action, as the, the voice and the, the face and the hands of Christ, still touching the lives of the poor and those in need. As Pope Francis envisions it, we, we are to be a community of faith that preaches by action. And action gives witness that goes beyond mere words. Now, our passage from Isaiah this evening comes from what's called Second Isaiah. Isaiah is actually divided into three sections. And this Second Isaiah is from a time period, it's written during the Jewish exile in Babylon. But it's written before it begins to become obvious that Babylon is about to be conquered by another power. And in this section, Isaiah presents four poems that are called the Servant Songs. And one of these we hear parts of this evening. And the identity of the servant remains ambiguous. You know, some think that maybe Isaiah had a particular person in mind. Others think that he was referring to Israel and its people itself. But the Gospel of Matthew believes that the servant being written about is Jesus Christ himself. And perhaps it is just as well that the servant's identity remains unknown because that then allows us a, a, a much wider view of what Isaiah is saying here this evening. And what is clear is that the picture of the servant presented by Isaiah is completely opposite the image of a great king of Judah who is described in the first part of Isaiah. And just as Pope Francis is trying to give us a fresh view of the church in this day and age, Isaiah was trying to give a fresh view of what it means to be a true servant of God. 
And so rather than presenting strength and power, Isaiah presents gentleness and humility. You know, the strength of this servant is, is not found in his position. It's not found in his army. The strength of this servant is found in patience and endurance and persistence. So, so what then is this servant's primary role? Well, it's to bring forth justice in the world. And, you know, how would this be accomplished? Well, we hear it. The servant will open the eyes of the blind and bring out prisoners who sit in the dungeon. Just who then is this servant? As I already said, Matthew points us to Christ. And on this feast of the baptism of the Lord, we must realize that, that Matthew does not say that Jesus will be, bring that justice completely by himself. We're called to join into that role and responsibility as well. But Matthew uses the baptism of Jesus to mark the beginnings of Jesus' public ministry. Yet to understand Jesus' ministry, we have to bear in mind the last, the very last thing that Matthew has Jesus say to his disciples and to us. And we hear this every time there is a baptism in this church and we bless the waters of baptism. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock there will be a baptism so people will, will hear these words, Go therefore. You know, these are being spoken to all of us as well. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus is baptized by John to let us know that he himself humbly submits to God. And he asks us to do nothing that he has not already done himself. And just as our Pope has regularly walked the barrios of Argentina, Jesus has walked with us. And perhaps since we do not know exactly uh, who the servant in Isaiah is, Maybe we should ask, might that servant be us? A good question, perhaps, to contemplate as the week unfolds. And the justice that I, Isaiah speaks of is not about enforcing a law. This justice is understood to be living as God would have us live. So in baptism, then, we're given a share in the mission of Christ. And, and we're called to open our eyes and, and to free our hearts by how we live. And no force, no shouting, no chastising. Our constant life of gentleness and kindness and love, well, it will free prisoners. 
you know, we're never finished. Confirmation is a beginning, not a graduation. And like Isaiah and like our Pope, each and every one of us is responsible for presenting the face of Jesus Christ to our world. Our way of life will reveal Christ, especially to those who need him the most. Now, remember that our Holy Father chose the name Francis for a very special reason. And St. Francis himself once said this, preach always, and when necessary, use words. Baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, call us to do just that. 